doing crops, I'd always do the night shift on the tractor, so I'd drive at night, so I had time during the day to ride my horses. And uh, wow. so it was, but I didn't do that well. You know, I wasn't very successful. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Major League Eventing Podcast, the show for eventing fans by eventing fans. Hey, Karen, it's snowing outside. I know. Lucky me, I have the Redding Goat jumpsuit. Keep me warm. So if people want to get their own and save 40 bucks, what do they got to do, Karen? They have to go to ReddingGoatEquestrian.com. And type in MLE40. Use that promo code, guys, and save yourself 40 bucks on uh, on that Red and Goat. So thanks a lot to our sponsors, Red and Goat. And Karen, we have some big news today, do we not? Big news. Big, big news. Huge. Give me a drum roll, Karen. You're pretty good at that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Karen Burke out a drum kit just for that. Uh, Karen, why don't you go ahead and tell the world? Uh, we are launching our brand new website. Ta-da! It's going to be MajorLeagueEventing.com. MajorLeagueEventing.com, everybody. Check it out. This is huge for us. We have some pretty cool stuff over there. And uh, we've been working on it for a while, right, Karen? Oh, yeah. And so we have some cool stuff. So it's a good place for anyone who, um, you know, if you have that friend that doesn't know anything about eventing, we have mm-hmm. a little video section down there in the home page where you can see some exciting footage yep. and uh, a link to all of our podcasts a link we have a podcast page so now if you don't have a podcast listener of your own you can go right to our very own majorleagueeventing.com go to the podcast page and you can listen to everything right there and share with your friends right mm-hmm. here yep. what else what and we well there's also a forum page. Yeah, we started a forum page. So it's just in the essence of Major League Eventing, where it's all things positive and promoting of, of this great sport that we love and the people that are in it. So uh, head on over there. Um, we just have a, it's just a couple of forums where people can chat and get to know each other and uh, bounce ideas off each other. We have a little marketplace where people can buy and sell stuff. And, um, you know, so it's just going to be a nice uplifting positive community where our our you know, other major league eventing fans can go and hang out right karen yes awesome and then we also have a pretty cool uh spot for our sponsors and also for potential sponsors so if you're out there listening and you have a product that you'd like to promote with major league eventing we uh just click on the the sponsors uh, page and um there's all types of good information there for you so we'd love to hear from you so anyone that's out there go ahead and please you know, shoot us a message. We have a, a contact us page there. We also have a subscriber area where you can just subscribe, leave your email, and you know, down the road, if we have any big news or anything like that, you can get to be the first to know. So, anything else, Karen? Mm, I don't think so. I think that's it for now. That's it. So, hey, check that out majorleagueeventing.com and uh, drop us a line and let us know what you think. We really appreciate it. And without further ado, Karen, we also have a super, super exciting guest. Oh, yeah. Very excited. Very excited. You were a little, little nervous. I'm a little nervous. One. I was a little nervous doing this. Mm-hmm. Big fan. Big fan. So we hope everyone enjoys this Philip Dutton interview as much as us. We um, we were really thankful and appreciative of Philip to come on board and give us uh, 
some, some time out of his busy, busy schedule. Busy. <laughs> so it's not often we get a legend like that on the show. So thanks very much, Philip, for, for being a part of our show. I'm Karen. And I'm Rob. And on today's Major League Eventing podcast, Karen, I'm super thrilled. Exciting. Ha- <laughs> I'm super excited. We have two-time team gold medalist, an individual bronze medalist, Philip Dutton. Thank you so wow, much. Yeah, for, welcome. Thank you for coming on our show, Philip. Oh, you're welcome. Nice to be here. Oh, man, we're really excited. Um, <laughs> we know you're a busy guy, so we'll get right right down to mm-hmm. it. The uh, we, we just recently heard you're... You're wintering in Wellington for the first time. Is that correct? Yeah. So, um, you know, Evie and I and Lily and Olivia are uh, in Wellington. And I'm basing in Wellington and traveling to Aiken um, on a kind of consistent basis. So we've got horses there as well. But um, the idea being was to try it here with some horses. And then obviously it's great for uh, Lily to be a little bit in a warmer climate and um, utilize the different therapy places uh, that they have or excellent places they have here in Wellington as well. Wow. That's awesome. How's she doing? Uh, She's doing well. I mean, it's uh, a lot slower than we'd like, but uh, you know, there's always progress and uh, you know, we just got to keep working hard at it and uh, keep supporting her and doing whatever we can to get every little bit of improvement every day. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, man, I know she's <clears throat> she's definitely had a, a, a ton of support and everyone's been falling for her. And Olivia, she's out there doing fantastic too. How's uh, how's her riding coming along this year? Yeah, I mean, it's exciting to uh, have her so passionate about it. And uh, she's got a new horse now. Um, so she had the you know the luxury or the privilege of riding Mr. Medicott last year. And so now she's starting a little bit more from scratch and, uh, you know, trying to educate her, her next um, horse that maybe can step into his shoes one day. But, uh, so, yeah, she's doing great and uh, it's a good opportunity for her. She's uh, uh, doing her studies here with uh, tutoring and that kind of stuff so oh, she can ride. And, uh, so it's a great opportunity for her. Uh, yeah, Wellington's awesome. Nice. We, we were at Wellington just once for the showcase a couple of years ago. And let me tell you, I can uh, – I can get used to that place, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. So, Philip, one one thing that we'd like to ask is uh, we'd like to hear about your origin and how you actually got started into riding. Uh, would you be able to tell us about that? Sure. Uh, well, I grew up um, on a sheep and cattle farm in Australia in pretty outback, isolated area. And uh, so, you know, part of my everyday life was, looking after animals and uh, sheep, cattle and, uh, you know, uh, orphaned lambs and calves. And uh, obviously we had pet kangaroos and everything else. And uh, we also had horses were a big part of our life as well. Um, Certainly we used them for work, for you know, to help with the rounding up of the, mainly the cattle. And, but my family also, uh, my grandfather had some race horses and, um, and uh, my mum and dad took us to Pony Club, and so okay. it became certainly we rode for the you know as far as the farm goes, but also as um, as our recreation as well. We you know did a lot of the Pony Club and went to a lot of the agricultural shows, and and so it sort of grew from there. And uh, that's how I uh, started out. I kind of you know one of those people that had always dreamed about riding at the Olympics and 
you know, it's uh, phenomenal still to me now that it's all come true. And yeah. I never, my wildest dreams when I was a young kid, ever thought that it would come true. But you always have these, you know, visions and dreams of what you would love to do. And then, uh, lo and behold, 50 years later or 40 <laughs> years later, it's all, it's all worked out. <clears throat> Holy wow. smoke. And how old were you at your first Olympics? I, was, I started a bit later on because I worked um, – you know, after college, I went back and worked on the family farm, oh, wow. and I didn't, uh, you know, ride competitively or real seriously. You know, I was, I was still mainly a farmer, and then I still rode part time. And then, uh, so I think I was, I didn't move to America until I was like twenty eight. So, um, you know, as I was in my thirties when I went to Atlanta. Oh, <clears throat> oh really? So you were already mm-hmm. you were already living in America before you went to Atlanta. But you were competing. You were still competing for Australia at the time, correct? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. So I moved over. Um, I believe it was like 1991 or something like that. And the idea was just to come over and get some experience. Uh, this at this stage, I'd sort of I'd, the agriculture in Australia was going not very well, and um, I was so I decided to leave the family farm um, because it was we weren't doing very well financially. And um, so I got out and decided, you know, now's the chance to just, uh, uh, you know, concentrate on the horses and see where it went to. And so I bought a horse over to America in 1990 or 91, I think it was, Hmm. and uh, just started riding full time and um, trying to make a living from it and um, concentrating on my riding and end up getting picked for the, American team, uh, the Australian team in uh, Atlanta. Holy cow! Wow, that's wild. Yeah, I just, I don't know. You, d- huh. I just assumed that that whole time you were like in business in Australia, and and uh, <clears throat> that's really cool. So you were kind of like part time between the farming and the riding in Australia up until you came to the states. Is that is that pretty correct? Yeah, yeah. No, I used to. I did uh, when we were farming and um, doing crops. I always do the night shift on the tractor so I drive at night so I had time during the day to ride my horses and uh, wow. so it was but I didn't do that well you know I wasn't very successful <laughs> <laughs> just keeping my keeping my hand at it and then um, actually I took a trip over to America to see what it'd be like over here and I uh, was fortunate enough to I looked up Bruce Davidson's name in the phone book and uh Called him and asked if I could come and visit, and uh, it was back before cell phones. And wow. he answered the answered the phone and uh, come and visit. And I said I'd like to come over and told him I didn't have any money, but I could work. And so he got wow. me a job and place to come, and the rest is history. Wow, that's really that is cool. So awesome! I had no idea. So we had all to Bruce. That Philip came. I mean, yeah, it's just, yeah. Bruce was very generous and kind, and uh, and he didn't he didn't he didn't know me, and I was. Obviously, a nobody then. Wow, <clears throat> that is awesome. Yeah, wow. Oh man, we have it all to Bruce. How long did you stay working for him and 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 hanging around? No, I didn't work for Bruce. He he oh. found me another uh, facility um, uh, close by. Is uh, Dancy and Ron Javon, and okay. and uh, oh. actually they own horses for uh, Boyd now. And so, yeah. So I uh, they had polo horses and fox hunters, and uh, wow. So I uh, helped them out and. That's where I got started. That's amazing. 
that is just an amazing story yeah, to me. This kind of, wow. and then, and then from there, you just came to America and said, well, how many horses did you bring? Like when you came here, you said you came with one horse. Did the rest of your string all be? Yeah, I just had that one horse, uh, had a horse of mine, Tribly Girdwood, and he was the one that went on to Atlanta. And, um, you know, my original plan, which, you know, and I'm first to put my hand up and say that I didn't plan all this. I, you know, it's just the way <laughs> things work. And, you take opportunities when they arise. And, um, uh, but I was, um, you know, I thought I'd stay in America a year and then move over to England or whatever because most people went to England. Mm-hmm. And, but the horse, the horse I brought over was quite a green horse. He was just, um, he'd just done one prelim in, um, Australia. So I thought that the work opportunities and, um, and that kind of thing would be a little bit better at that stage in America than England. And, and, but, you know, I got to here and then I realized that a year is not a very long time in, <laughs> in your career. And, uh, how, you know, it's only just scratched the surface of, of getting established and that kind of stuff. So I kept going and kept renewing my visa and <laughs> all of a sudden I get married and kids and. <laughs> Was that was that was that the main reason? Like when you switched to the United States, was that basically because you were like, "Well, I'm here for good now," or was there is there a reason why you switched to America? Um, like what what went into that decision? Um, well, it was a really tough decision, obviously, and I was it was probably one of the toughest things I've been through, uh, certainly in the sporting world, um, just because I didn't want to. You know, I was born and raised. In Australia, and my obviously my parents um, and all my family is still there, and um, <clears throat> you know, added to that, I think a lot of what I am today is, you know, because of that upbringing in Australia, you know, and mm-hmm. I still kind of regard myself as Australian, sure. and um, so to change, and it felt a little bit as if I was turning my back on all that, which you know I didn't want that to be the case, yeah. um, so. But, um, you know, having said that, you know, the people that had supported me in America with horses and uh, all my friends were all American. And as much as they, you know, wanted me to do well, I mean, if they heard, you know, it wasn't quite fair to the people that owned the horses that they'd hear the Australian National Anthem play <laughs> if I won an event. So I felt that I needed to, you know, repay them a little bit. And, um, and also I wanted to contribute somewhat to the American uh, team and uh, that kind of stuff. And so um, <clears throat> it was, I don't know, it was, a, it was a tough decision. It was the right decision. But, um, and, you know, when I talked to my mum and dad, they were, they were great about it and really supported it and they understood. So. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't quite as bad as, <laughs> as I thought it might have been. I mean, I, I know what you're saying. I'm like a very much a home kind of guy. Like I felt funny moving I grew up in Pennsylvania and I actually felt funny, like claiming Maryland as home, you know, like, I'm, yeah, yeah. you know, I still hold on to my roots, my Pennsylvania kind of roots. It's, I get it. I respect it. And, and, uh, I see both sides of it. And I think I'm just glad that you came over. Yeah, and- <laughs> we are. <laughs> <laughs> think of all the fantastic, uh, you know, you, and you've been like the, the, the bridge for uh, so many Australians that come over. I mean, I, I kind of joke around that, uh, Cochranville and, Unionville have like a uh, an Austra- Australian accent for some reason in that, but people from that area, some of the right, Australians, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I think Australians and Americans get along. You know, it's very similar. You know, lifestyle and um, and uh, you know, I think uh, it's 
<coughs> it's been good for me as well having other guys from Australia and it's 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 good for the sport as well. It it, it ups the game a little bit and makes it a little bit more competitive. So mm-hmm. I think it's a win win. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Hey, so not, about a year or so ago, you, you put out in like your public, you know, releases that, that you were starting to kind of shorten, you know, making the herd a little bit smaller and everything and keeping your competition string a little bit, a little smaller. How's mm-hmm. that going for you? Is that easier said than done? Or are you still kind of, I mean, we see you just got this beautiful brand new horse, uh, French horse. Are you still kind of thinning the herd or how, how's that working out for you? Well, yes. I mean, I I have cut way back, and uh, it, it, you know, it's good. I mean, you know, it's not as if I'm trying to get out of the sport or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't have, you know, vast numbers of horses that I look after anymore. So I've just mainly got the ones that are that I have that I really believe in and want to keep going with. And then you know, I have a. Um, uh, you know, staff that are, you know, pretty dedicated to helping me do that. And each of them have a horse each that I help them with. And so it's been good. I mean, I've, mm-hmm. I tell you the truth, I teach, I teach a lot more now and I travel and, um, so, and I don't teach as much when I'm at home. And so try to put more quality time into the horses when I'm at home and then jump on a plane and, um, go off and teach. And so it, it's working out pretty well, actually. Um, it you know no, I don't think anybody's got it nailed down perfectly how mm-hmm. to do it. But um, <laughs> you know it's un, it's unfortunate. You know, well one of the disadvantages about our sport is you know you, you can't really make a living out of it just from riding. You know you've got to have other areas contributing to it. But um, obviously we all love the sport and uh, and that I think just gives everybody a bit more character because it's not that easy to make it and uh, absolutely you have to. You have to, uh, you know, be gritty and uh, be prepared to do what it takes to to uh, get to the top. And uh, sometimes that means, you know, doing doing other other parts of the sport or helping other people in the sport that um, bringing them along to to, to help um, pay your way. Gotcha. <clears throat> right. Well, I, I heard mm-hmm. nothing but I mean, so many people that have come through and have said how great of a coach you are and it's uh it's pretty cool I, i've never actually seen you coach so some one of these days i want to get the auto one of your clinics and all because i know everyone says how great it is well i'm pretty old now and i've had a lot of experience so. <laughs> 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 still riding everybody so I, I don't know i don't know about that <laughs> so phil do you have any advice for a young rider wanting to make it in the sport uh, well, I mean, my advice is that you've got to do it right. You know, you've got to learn the basics right. You've got to, uh, be really particular about, you know, there's no point. It, it's a kind of sport that if you're lacking in any area, it's going to catch up to you. And, uh, so you might as well get, get it all done right. And your education, your horse's education. And, you know, I always feel that if you can learn from the best, you know, the, best possible people that are out there that you can get access to and whether that's coaches or dressage or show jumping or or role models or whatever and try and emulate you know the, the best people and there's no real shortcuts in it you know you just got to <clears throat> understand um, and it's not you know it's this is not rocket science this is you know <laughs> dealing with horses is not it's not over complicated mm-hmm. but it's it, you know that's 
um, there is certain basics that are, you know, that stand true to time and, um, you know, you've got to learn that. And, um, you know, and having said that, I'm constantly learning every day. You know, it's, it's, wow. it, it's a never, never ending, uh, cycle of learning. And it's, you know, one of the many great things about sport is that, you know, there's always improvement out there. You can always keep getting better and there's always somebody to learn from. But, you know, for somebody coming up, I, I'd be trying to not so much aim for certain events or winning so much. It's more just getting that knowledge and then everything else grows from that. I mean, I think if you, you know, become a good horseman and a really <clears throat> correct rider, well, then you'll get the results. Whereas if you're just aiming for the results, I think you're going to fall short. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Great advice. So hey, we don't want to, uh, we, we don't want to keep it too long. We know you're a very, very busy person. Uh, we, we always kind of wind down interviews with, with just asking about sponsors. And, and do you have any, any sponsors that you would like to just, uh, recognize now that as we, as we. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I mean, that's such an important <clears throat> part of, uh, you know, riders and, um, competitors being just able to stay afloat. And obviously, you know, probably the best sponsors that I have are, People, your people that own horses for you because it's kind of a, a thankless job in some ways. You know they pay the bills and uh, there's, you know there's certainly there's satisfaction in in when you get to those big events. But a lot of the a lot of the time it's not there's not a lot of satisfaction. And so you know certainly the owners that support me, I'm you know forever grateful for that. And then obviously you know some great companies that. Equestrian companies that, uh, you know, have been associated with, with Costaquin, I think, for, I think, must be 25 years, wow. which is scary to me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they've stuck, they've stuck by me. And I think we have a great bond there. And, uh, and then Triple Crown Feeds and, um, and Towery's Saddles, I think, are the best in the market. And uh, that's why I ride in them. And then the, uh, <clears throat> SSG. Gloves. I've been using them forever and ever as well. So uh, uh, you know, there's there's plenty of uh, people that support me, but they're probably the, the main ones. Yeah, yeah. wow. Yeah, we remember uh, way back at the Horse World Expo in Harrisburg years ago. You were at a Cosequin booth and you were signing mm-hmm. posters. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I think they're they're still uh, they're still the leaders in the market in. Uh, uh, you know, in the field that they're in, so it's a, it's a real credit to them. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're 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 an inspiration to so many people out there, and the sponsors that you represent are they're lucky to have you for sure. So, uh, Philip, we we uh, we just we can't thank you enough for coming on yeah, with this us. This was great. Can. This was fantastic. Mm-hmm. So, thank you so much, and uh, you know, we'll be rooting for you this year. And uh, oh, and by the way, we're going to see you at the 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 Grand Prix of ending down in uh, at Bruce's Field. All right, Aiken. Right? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Holy smokes. That's really exciting, and it looks like we're going to have some overseas competitors coming, so uh, hopefully we'll get a good crowd for that. Some yeah. big some big, big names coming yeah. in. March wow. March yeah. 1st to 2nd. March 1st and 2nd. Yeah, yep. yeah, exactly. Awesome. Awesome. So uh, hopefully hopefully uh, we can everybody can have a fun weekend of watching some great uh, eventing sport. Heck yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Philip, for joining yeah, us. Yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> right. Good luck, you guys. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. You can leave us a review on Apple iTunes or visit us at MajorLeakEventing.com. Cheers!